0: This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: What is happening, folks? Welcome to it. It is time to start up another edition of Rush Hour, as always, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Appreciate you being with us. Remember, you can always follow along on Twitter for myself at Danny Burke5 on the tweets and for VSIN, the Sports Betting Network at VSIN Live. So for the next 60 minutes, well, for the first time in quite some time, we can finally say we have a football game tonight. Although it is the Hall of Fame game, but it's football nevertheless, right? Any football is bettable football, and I'll give you a little preview of that momentarily in this first segment. Along with a couple of plays I have in baseball tonight. Last night we had our best bet with the Cardinals postponed because of that rain delay. So uh, we push on that, but looking to get back into the well with game two of that doubleheader for the Cubs and the Cardinals. And then the other Chicago team very interesting spot with the White Sox and the Rangers. We'll talk about both of those games after the Hall of Fame game and then later in the show, 15 minutes from now Beeson's betting reporter, Josh Applebaum in his usual Thursday slot will be talking about all the biggest market movers throughout football probably a little bit of WNBA some NFL as we get ready for the season to come about and then of course we'll touch on some baseball with our guy Josh and then a half hour from now Mr. Humans, that's Matt Humans Beeson hosts, great contribution contributions to the college football betting guide, specifically covering the Big Ten, right? We love betting the Big Ten in our neck of the woods here in the Midwest. We'll get a deeper kind of profile of some of these teams throughout the Big Ten Conference for the upcoming season. And then speaking of a preview and kind of just in-depth analysis because of still the Browns not having their win total out with the Deshaun Watson debacle, we do move on to our final team in the AFC North and the NFL for our team previews that being the Pittsburgh Steelers. We will cover them in 45 minutes, looking at their win total and much, much more. But let's get into it, folks. Like we said, we do have some football. The Hall of Fame game, 7 p.m. Central time uh, at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. Believe it or not, there has been some significant movement in this game. We've got the Raiders and we've got the Jacks. It opened at a pick'em. Now the spread's moved to 2.5 in favor of Las Vegas, right? He got a new coach, Josh McDaniels, coming from that Bill Belichick coaching tree. Maybe he wants to just come out firing. I don't know, that's their mentality overall, and just getting a new gig. Now, I know that Doug Peterson is in a new gig himself with the Jaguars, but look, most recently, Doug Peterson has been a head coach compared to Josh McDaniels, and Peterson just doesn't seem like the guy who necessarily would strive to go out there and compete and need to win. It's not that McDaniels needs to win. I don't know, it just kind of gives you the feeling that he would be that guy to to really want to try in this spot i mean las vegas needs to turn some things around and i get jacksville does too but las vegas is ready to get going with the talent they have But a lot of that talent, as we know, is not going to be present in this game. Travis Etienne will be out. Trevor Lawrence will be out. Jake Lutton and Kyle Sloter look like they're going to be taking most of the reps for the quarterback position with Jacksonville tonight. And then as for Las Vegas, looks like you'll get Jared Stidham and Nick Mullins. A couple better quarterbacks, I would think, on the side of Las Vegas. So with the coaching side of things, that kind of aspect with the quarterbacks, I could understand why the momentum's going toward Las Vegas a little bit. If I had to do anything, I would consider the money line instead of laying the two and a hook. I, I know that it's under the key number of three, but in these preseason games, eh, some things get wonky every now and then, especially when you have as low as a total as we do, which opened up at 33 and a half, and now it's down to 30 and a half. We were talking with Will Hill about this last night, and he wanted to bet the under compared it to the Army and Navy game, but now that it's gotten hit so much to the under, he likes the over. All right, 1714 gets you home if you go over 30 and a half minus 110 each way with those odds. But like I said, I guess if I had to lean one way, I'd go with the Raiders minus a buck 39. That's the money line price you're seeing right now at Bet Rivers. If you want to go on the other side, Jacksonville plus 115. Now, I'm not knocking anybody who bets this game or preseason football. I love betting preseason football and I'm sure we'll do plenty of it, but the Hall of Fame game is just maybe a little too, uh, I don't know, a little too out there, a little too premature for me to want to get involved in this one. So I'll wait till we get kind of in the rhythm of the preseason games And that's when we'll start handicapping it a little bit more fully. But, uh, yeah, we've had a couple people on who have been betting this game. So uh, we'll still be looking forward to catching some football despite it being the Hall of Fame game. So we'll have that to look forward to in a couple of hours. What we'll also have to look forward to is some good baseball action tonight. I have some interest in both of the Chicago teams for Danny's Dimes. Like I said, we bet the Cardinals yesterday. That game got rained out, so the Cubs and Cardinals had a doubleheader today. Marcus Stroman was dealing, and then the Cubs bullpen kind of did Cubs bullpen things, right? I think they had a 3-0 lead, gave up three, and then the Cardinals had a walk-off in the ninth. In that game, I mean, looking at a doubleheader, you know, I was like, if the Cubs have a chance, it's probably going to be in game one with Stroman as your starter. And again, he pitched fairly well. It's just the Cardinals got the best of them in the end. And I think the Cardinals have a solid opportunity to do that once again in game two. Now, I know a lot of people like to do the opposite of what happens in game one, meaning the Cardinals won. All right, let's bet the Cubs in game two. But this is a little bit more unique of a situation. You're in the second half of the season, you're getting closer to the postseason. If you're the Cardinals, you're in a division race where what, you're a game and a half back or so from the Brewers and you can take advantage of a Cubs team that is really just struggling. Yeah, the Cardinals are gonna be doing all they can to still uh, thrive in this really advantageous spot against the Cubs. So I'm not too concerned about that personally. The line for game two early on this morning, opened minus 160. You've seen it get really high up to the minus 180s, but actually you've seen some buyback at that Rivers as of late. Now St. Louis minus 167. Total went from eight to eight and a half. The funny thing about this situation is who's going to be pitching against the Cubs. And I laugh here because any Cubs fan or really Chicago sports fan can attest to this. But any time a former player goes against whichever Chicago team, it seems like they have their best performance. So as you know, at the trade deadline, the Cardinals acquired Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana was part of a big deal where the Cubs gave up a lot of valuable assets, thinking he could be a good pitcher to help boast them throughout the postseason. Well, that really wasn't the case and this year he's been doing well with the pirates and now he's going to a playoff contender in st louis and presumably will pitch very well for them and tonight against the cubs it's just what happens it's uncanny so this is going to be his first game with st louis after being traded with pittsburgh as of this point or up to this point rather he's accumulated a record of three and five an ERA of 3.50. He had a really solid uh, FIP, two in the threes. I forgot to write it down here, but I know he had a really strong FIP. And then his Sierra is a little high, but you can get by with this, 4.05. And then his WHIP is at 1.27. If you look at some of his other underlying metrics, they're really strong. I mean, 7% home run to fly ball ratio. He's striking out eight guys per nine innings compared to walking less than three per nine innings. And he's got a left on base percentage of 73%. You can't really look at his home and road splits because he's in a new environment at Bush Stadium, so we're not accounting for that. But what you have to account is how he's done against the Cubs this year. He's faced them three times. In one start, his first of the season actually, when five innings allowed one earned run on five hits. Another matchup at Chicago in April when 4.2 innings allowed just three hits and two earned runs. And then most recently, in terms of his most recent start against the Cubs, that was back on June 23rd. Went six innings, allowed six hits, and just two earned runs. So uh, five earned runs overall is what Quintana has surrendered to the Cubbies in three starts. So not only would you maybe think he would thrive just because of the adage that we were talking about, but because we have the stable sample size of three starts this year with a worse team in Pittsburgh. Who has done good when Quintana has taken the bump? So you can probably expect the same to happen tonight. Also, the Cubs, yeah, they hit lefties fine at Wrigley Field, but when you take them away from the friendly confines, their numbers against lefties really decrease to a 6.91 OPS and a 92 weighted runs created plus. So not that strong. And if that didn't convince you at all, the Cubs are bringing up from Triple A Sean Newcomb. If you recall, they took him from the Braves earlier this year, and uh, look, he was pretty bad to say the least. The last game he pitched in the big leagues was at New York against the Yankees, and in one inning allowed six hits and five earned runs. He was terrible, and you know what? He might be again today, and that's especially because the Cardinals, opposite of the Cubs, thrive in this situation offensively because at home against Southpaws, they are number one in the big leagues. They got an 836 OPS, a 359 WOBA, and a 141 weighted runs created plus. Now, when I was kind of getting my betted for this game. Like I said, the Cardinals were up to like minus 180, minus 190. And I was looking at the run line. I was talking about it on the Chicago City cast, and it's like, yeah, that's pretty tempting about plus 123. But then I thought, you know, we talk about the run line monster. More often than not, you're not going to get killed by it. We have a few times. But I thought because the second leg of a doubleheader, depending on what happened in game one, maybe the bullpen of St. Louis would be taxed a little bit, which could make them more vulnerable to giving up late runs. So long story short, What you can do at Bet Rivers is move that marker to the Cardinals' run line, minus one. And there, I got minus 122. Numbers come down a little bit. You can get minus 118. So uh, I like that just to have a little bit more security. It's not that bad of a price. And this will be the fourth time the Cubs do see Quintana. So maybe they're able to do enough offensively. But count me in for the Cardinals' minus one on the run line at the price of minus 122. Again, you can get that now at minus 118. So that's the play I got with the Cubs and the Cardinals game two in the doubleheader. The other matchup that I like tonight, and I'll expound on this a little bit further at the end of the show, looking at the Sox and the Rangers, you got Johnny Cueto, who's been pretty stable for the Sox thus far. Taking on Cole Reagan's. Now, this is going to be his first start in the big leagues. The Southpaw in AAA this year went 3 and 2 with a 332 ERA and a 399 FIP. But you got to remember the White Sox are the number one team versus lefties on the road in the big leagues with an 820 OPS, 356 WOBA, and a 133 WRC. These are the spots that Sox have to take advantage of. They've been struggling in series openers at home. On the road, which they are currently in the spot, it's a little bit of a different story. So I got involved with the White Sox here minus 128. The market seems to be loving the White Sox are up to minus a buck 37. But I'm looking to bet on the White Sox tonight on the money line, and then we're looking to fade the Cubs once again. We'll recap those more so at the end of the show, but let's get into a plethora of sports with our guy Josh Applebaum, the biggest market movers. We'll discuss that next right here. It is Rush Hour.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rush Hour on v the
0: sports betting network.
3: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bad Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of City Casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. So, you've got these City Casts available in cities such as Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. So, make sure you subscribe to your local City wherever you get your podcasts available, and you'll be set up with multiple episodes a week and great local sports betting content. Well, it is an exciting time here for us on Rush Hour, not only because we get to talk to our pal Josh Applebaum, but because he's coming in with maybe a larger smile than usual. Josh, uh, let the good folks know why you're happy today since the last time we talked to you, my friend. And I know it's not only because we got football tonight, but there are some other reasons.
2: There are definitely some other reasons, Danny. It's great to be with you. So if we flash back a week ago, Danny, I told you a week ago, tonight's uh, hit with you, I'll mean they're going to be the happiest version of myself you'll ever see or the most depressed version of myself you'll ever see so luckily danny of course what i'm referring to massachusetts my home state i'm based in boston obviously I have, I have a lot of skin in the game here but it took since 2018 a lot of ups and downs but on monday morning at 5 10 a.m eastern time danny the massachusetts legislature came to an agreement they did it we legalized sports betting it's unbelievable people are so excited about this no longer are we gonna have to you know drive over to New Hampshire or Connecticut or New York or Rhode Island to place a bet. This is huge for all of us who want to get down legally. We're gonna bring it above board, hopefully use the tax revenue to benefit the state here. But Danny, it's unbelievable. We did it. I never I knew I'd see the day one day, but I was getting so you know negative about it because every year it would come and go and never happen. It finally happened. I'm on cloud nine, Danny.
3: Hey, right? It's like being a sports fan. you got to be pessimistic, and then when it happens, you're like, I told you so. I knew it was coming. But no, man. Hey, we're happy for you, Josh, and we are thrilled to see all the different betting opportunities you're going to be able to discuss on all the different shows you do here at Beast. And I know you hit a lot of them, but it'll be a lot more comfortable and opening for you to kind of get it from your own perspective. So that's awesome, my man. We're really happy for you and everybody else out there in Massachusetts. And Josh, I know uh, you you don't have it almost immediately, but look, uh, I know you still of a lot of betting interest tonight, to say the least. And that begins on the gridiron, the first football game of the year, Hall of Fame game. Uh, we've got the Jags and the Raiders. And I was talking about this game a little bit at the beginning of the show, but hey, even though it's a preseason game, tons of movement, it seems.
2: Yeah, tons of movement here, Danny. So I think, you know, this is kind of my one recommendation I've been mentioning on Betting Across America and the Market Insights Pod. Pick a position here. Either bet the NFL preseason and go all in and watch the games and you know, kind of get find the edges, keep your finger on the pulse, or don't bet it at all. I see a lot of people who pick and choose, and unless you're 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 into it 100. To me, your best bet would be not to bet preseason and become a scout here. But obviously, we have a ga- a big game here tonight. It's the official you know opening of the NFL season, Danny. So it feels like football's in the air. And what I've seen here in this one, Danny, if you're looking to get down on this game, two really interesting things. The first one is the total. A lot of smart money has hit this under. The total opened at 33 and a half. It's all the way down to 30 and a half. A lot of these thirty and a halfs are even juiced up under minus one fifteen. Now this coincides with a really good angle for unders, specifically in the Hall of Fame game. So in the Hall of Fame game, Danny, you know you're going to see a lot of backups. You're going to have a very vanilla offense, a lot of running the ball, chewing up the clock. So for that regard, you know you see a lot of unders do well. If you look at the last five, uh, the last uh, six years of of Hall of Fame games, the unders five and one. The last fifteen years, the under is nine and six. So even though you see a total and you say 30 and a half, how's that? That's so low, it's got to go over. Keep in mind last year's Hall of Fame game was a 16 to 3 score. So uh, a lot of money on this under. It's just difficult as a better to take the under 30 and a half right now because it did open 33 and a half. But if you target it early, you're definitely feeling good about it. Now, if you're concerned about the total being so low, you missed the good number. I think there's an angle to back the Raiders tonight, Danny. I took the Raiders on the money line. You know me. I'm not going to mess around with a, a two-and-a-half here, especially when we're going to see backup kickers and maybe miss an extra point or a field goal here. But we did see a dog-to-fave line move toward the Raiders. The Raiders actually opened around a plus-one-and-a-half dog for this game. They've flipped all the way to two-and-a-half point favorite. So we have dog to favorite favorite line movement toward the Raiders. Also, if you look and dig into some historical numbers here, Danny, the last five years, favorites straight up winning this game. Are five and zero. Oh. And if you look at the last fifteen years, they're eleven and four. So the chalk play in these Hall of Fame games tends to do well. Now remember, this is straight up; it's not ATS. That's why for me, Danny, I'm going to go money line. And another factor here would be, you know, Josh McDaniels; he's from Ohio. I think he's going to want to put forth a good effort coming home. And kind of the quarterback situation here: you're going to see Jarrett Stidham, you're going to see Nick Mullins probably. You're not going to see any Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be uh, Jake Luton, CJ Beathard, I believe is hurt, and it could be this other kid, Kyle Slotler, I think the quarterback depth chart favors the Raiders. I'm Raiders on the money line tonight.
3: I like it. I'd be going the same way if I was getting involved. I usually sit out just a Hall of Fame game, kind of let that one go through, and then I jump fully in, as you were alluding to. But, hey, we're pumped to have football here because you and I, you know, we'll be talking about that in bountiful amounts coming up soon enough, my man. But in the meantime, along with the Hall of Fame game tonight, I know you got plenty other action kind of spread throughout Major League Baseball, so let's get into that, my friend, and talk about this Tigers and Rays game to get things kicked off, 6.10 p.m. Central Time, out by us. Is when it's slated to start, and we see Tampa Bay as a sizable favorite here. Josh minus 190. Total is currently at eight and a half with a little bit of juice to the under. Would it be? Uh, what have we been seeing with this game so far?
2: So I think you nailed it, Danny. A lot of money is laying the chalk here with the Tampa Bay Rays. So if you look at kind of the way this line opened, it was minus one fifty with the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, earlier this afternoon, just a couple, you know, hours ago, it was minus one seventy. I got the rays at minus one seventy, not the greatest number, but you're seeing them now up all, all the way up to minus one eighty, minus one ninety. So on the one hand, it's like how can I bet the Rays if I'm, you know, getting the worst of the number? But also keep in mind, there's been zero buyback here on the Tiger. So oftentimes when you see a line move that just doesn't let up, it's kind of telling you, though, that even the number's getting higher, there's still some value there to be had. So I'm back in Tampa Bay in this one, Danny. Uh, non-division road favorites are 62% this year. They've done very well in general. That would match with the Rays. You also have a correlative betting angle. Big favorite low total. Total in this one is just 8. This juiced up a little bit over minus 120. Breaking on Jeffrey Springs, he's been the better of the two starters here, 3-3, three and three, 2.70 ERA. Hutchinson going for Detroit, 1-4 and four with a 4.5 ERA. Uh, and the bats, the bats of Tampa Bay, I think that's the advantage. They're hitting about 240, just about 225 here for Detroit. So Tampa's in a, a you know wild card race here, Danny. Detroit doesn't have much to play for. I'm going with this line move. Give me Tampa Bay around minus 170.
3: All right, Josh, let's get into a couple of Sox teams. We'll start with your Boston Red Sox. This game piqued my interest. I did not bet it, but it always kind of sets off an alarm when I see Boobich pitching for the Royals, and it looks like that's who the Red Sox are going to be facing tonight. Man, he is horrendous. I bet against him last Friday with the Yankees team total, and he actually did okay. Yankees after the delay scored eight. That's neither here nor there. The point is, I think it's a good spot for Boston. Do you believe the same?
2: I do believe the same, Danny. I'd feel better if we didn't trade away Christian Vasquez for no reason. I wish we could have kept (laughs) Vasquez with Pham and Eric Hosmer, who is going to make his debut for the Sox here tonight. But I'm with you, Danny. This line has continued to go up toward the Red Sox, open around minus 120, minus 125. They're now closer up to like minus 140. We're showing even some minus 150s here. It's another example of a line moving once it drops toward a team and continuing to go in that direction. Continued movement to Tampa. Same thing here with Boston. You mentioned, obviously, Bubich, two and six. 5.45 5.45 uh, five ERA. His last seven starts, Kansas City's just one and six in those games. Pavetta started well. He's kind of uh, hit a little bit of a rough patch recently. He did pitch well his last time out. But really, the angle here, Danny, as well, aside from a non division road favorite, another system match, 62% with Boston, Boston against lefties. Not only are they facing Bubich a lefty, but against lefties this year, Red Sox are 17 and 8. Uh, if you look at them against righties, they're just 36 and 45. So Let's go Sox. I get to root for my team with a good sharp move, Danny. Let's go Boston.
3: All right, and then tell us a little bit about the Chicago White Sox. I like the White Sox in this spot as well, Josh. I mean, Cueto, surprisingly enough, has been very serviceable for Chicago. And the White Sox are going against a lefty on the road, which are the best team in the big leagues at doing so. And he got a new pitcher making his big league debut, who, of course, is a lefty tonight. So White Sox, I took a minus 128. Now they're up to minus 137. You following that
2: movement, my friend? I am, Danny. I'm right there with you. Even though you're a Cubs fan, we're both Southsider fans tonight here, Danny, <laughs> I believe. So uh, give me the Chicago White Sox. I'm with you. Pitching matchup really does favor Chicago. You know, you talked about Johnny Cueto, who was great, and then he tailed off. Now he's back. I think it's was a good move getting him, bringing him in, uh, into the rotation. He's 4-4, four and four, 2.86 ERA. But in 6 July starts, Johnny Cueto's vintage Cueto, 2.12 ERA. We've seen this line go further toward Chicago. They open like as low as minus 115. They're up to around Minus 130 minus 140 also the, the kid going for Texas tonight Reagan's it's he's making his major league debut Danny it's always interesting to me when a kid's making his debut as soon as it's announced that he's going to make his debut where does the line go does it go against him because you know maybe he's going to have a rude introduction to the bigs does it go toward him maybe he'll surprise some batters as soon as it was announced that this rookie was starting Reagan's the line shot up to the Chicago White Sox so White Sox are getting healthier. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Big advantage at the plate. They're hitting 259. Just 239 here for Texas. I'm going to Southsiders.
3: I dig it. Alright, Josh. 15 seconds. We always got to squeeze in some WNBA. Any action on the hardwood?
2: Oh, you're right, Dan. They got football, baseball, WNBA. We got it all tonight. <laughs> I'm going over in the Aces game at open 170, up to 172. And You see a steam move of at least one point in the WNBA to the over. The over is about 57% here. So Fast-paced team, good offense, bad defense. I'm hoping for a lot of points here, Danny. Give me the aces over 172.
3: Yes, sir. Loving it. Josh, you're the man. Keep up the great work, and congrats once again. I appreciate it, Danny. You come out to my neck of the woods. I'll treat you to some legal betting (laughs) soon. (laughs) And we're going to have to make it happen. At Josh underscore insights, where you can follow Josh on Twitter. Big shout-out to him. Coming next, some more football with Matt Eumann. Stick around.
0: This is Rush Hour on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: The cow- Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams which includes team trends, power ratings and over/under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a decent all-access subscriber. So sign up early and for a discounted $175 you'll receive the college and pro football betting guides along with full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or you could join us for $40 a month, and you can see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. So go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become a part of the Sports Betting Network. All righty, folks. Well, as I'm sure you know, speaking of football, we got our first game tonight with the Hall of Fame game out in Canton, Ohio. Once again, welcome into Rush Hour. Danny Burke, your host, broadcasting live here in the Windy City. So we're talking about it here. You know they're talking about it out in Las Vegas, so let's send it that way and bring in our pal Matt Eumanns, co-host of The Edge here on VEASAN, and did excellent work with the college football betting guide, which we'll get into momentarily. But, Matt, uh, might as well squeeze in some of your thoughts here on this Hall of Fame game we were just talking about it with Josh Applebaum but we did see some movement up to the Raiders are now minus two and a half and then how about that total man I mean 33 and a half is where it opened and that's ticked down now to 30 and a half uh, anything that kind of got some of your attention warranted toward this game and maybe worth the play
1: it's funny uh, it's, it's, everybody's fired up the football's back and uh, this is not a great game to bet but a lot of people want to bet it and I understand so I've, I've been feeling uh text messages from people all day. What's the bet in the game tonight? I said, well, I'll tell you where the sharp money is. And that was under the total when it was uh, 33, 33 and a half. Even sharp money showed at 32 and a half under the total. And uh, there was a little bit of sharp money on the Raiders in this game too. But uh, I think more of, uh, I would say, the sharper money's on the side under the total. And, Danny, I'll go back to uh, the Hall of Fame game in week one of the preseason last year. 15 of the 17 games stayed under the total. Uh, We had a lot of low-scoring, ugly games last year in the first week of the preseason, including the Hall of Fame game. So I think you have to keep that in mind when you're betting uh, this year as well. And uh, there's going to be sharp money showing under the total in a lot of these games. Now the books are going to adjust, I think, and open the totals a little bit lower in the first place. But uh, we're not going to see many number-one quarterbacks play in the preseason. Tonight, we're, we might not even see the number two plays, uh, number twos played much at all. It's going to be third and fourth stringers battling for that uh, number three job. So uh, I think it makes sense to bet tonight's game under. I did not play it because I didn't bet under 32 and a half or 33, and I don't want to bet a bad number at this point. I should have pulled the trigger a little bit sooner, but uh, it, this is typically a boring, low-scoring game. Hopefully that's not the case uh, tonight, just from an entertainment perspective, but I think that's the way you have to bet it.
3: I'm right there with him, Matt. Well... We have a lot more preseason to look forward to, and I'm sure we'll talk plenty about it with you in the coming weeks. But also what we got to look forward to here is some college football. And you did, like I was saying, amazing work along with the rest of the crew with the college football guide, which, of course, you can get at beason.com. And you focused in on the Big Ten. We talked about that with you last week. But I I wanted to hone in a little bit on the Pac-12. This conference certainly getting a little bit more interesting with everything that happened in the offseason, specifically with USC getting Lincoln right. Riley and a lot of those Oklahoma kids, and well, they're your short shot to come out on top of the conference at two to one. Then Utah's at plus 240, Oregon plus 250, then the rest of the schools and odds getting to the double digits. Uh, I was kind of talking about it on another show, and we were talking about Utah, and I was saying how a lot of people have come on Rush Hour and really have had high praise for this Utah squad. Are you one of those people who also subscribe to the thought that, hey, Utah's going to be a really good team this year. It couldn't be worth the play.
1: Yeah, in fact, I was talking about Utah before last season as well, and uh, Utah dropped two of its first three games, and then Kyle Whittingham, made a quarterback switch, and he went to Cameron Rising, the Texas transfer. And Rising made all the difference in that offense. I think in his 11 starts uh, last year, including the bowl games, Utah scored, including the Pac-12 championship in the bowl game, Utah scored 38 points a game. And Rising was uh, uh, really praised by the coaches and teammates for his leadership ability. Uh, You've got a running back who's one of the best in the Pac-12, a lot of talent returning on defense, Kyle Whittingham's my favorite coach in the Pac-12. So all the offseason hype has been about USC. And I think when you look at the Trojan schedule, it's kind of hard for me to bet under the USC win total, even though I really want to because the USC schedule sets up so well. But the one thing is the Trojans play on the road in Salt Lake City against the Utes. Advantage Utah with the schedule. Now Utah's got two tough games. Opens the season out Florida. On September third, and also uh, plays at Oregon, but I think this Utah team is going to be favored in uh, eleven games, and uh, I bet over the win total of eight and a half. Now the win total is nine out there in a lot of spots. You can still play over nine, but on a lot of these win totals, I always say if you, you got to try to get it early, try to get the best number. I don't even mind if you have to pay more on juice. So a lot of times, if you're betting over a total like six and a half or seven and a half, I'd rather I'd rather pay more juiced, then, then bet over seven or over eight when you're talking about the same numbers. I'll give you an example, Danny. Uh, Nebraska. Right now, there's a couple books out there who got Nebraska's win total at uh, eight. and uh, Some other books mostly have seven and a half. Okay, if you want to make a case to me that you want to bet Nebraska over the win total of seven and a half, I'm not going to argue too much with you. Uh, but if you say you want to bet over eight, I'm going to say you're crazy because mm. You look at Nebraska's schedule and you're going to tell me the Cornhuskers are going 9-3 and three and you're going to bet on that? No. If you want to bet on eight wins, that's okay. Don't bet on nine. And a lot of times these win totals, and Ole Miss is an example like that, too. I, I bet the Ole, Ole Miss win total over seven and a half. Uh, I've, got, I've had some people ask me this week, is it okay to bet over eight? I said, well, it's okay. But look, I'm trying to win these. I'm not trying to push. So if you can find the seven-and-a-half, which is still out there, a little bit more in juice and bet over seven-and-a-half instead of eight. It's a lot easier to win eight games than it is nine. And I think that's true for Mississippi, Nebraska, Utah, teams like that. But Utah is my pick to win the Pac-12. I like Utah over its win total. And Cameron Rising, the quarterback, is going to be a rising star, and he's going to rise, I think, on the Heisman boards. I bet him at 100-to-1 to win the Heisman. I was trying to find some better odds out there, but 100-to-1 looks like the best you can get. Uh, Obviously, a big game against the Gators and the Swamp in week one with help, but I think this uh, Utah team's got a great chance to win 10, and uh, Cameron Rising could eventually be a Heisman candidate we're talking about.
3: Matt perfectly said with just everything you were suggesting advising for win totals I'm right there with it I will gladly lay a little bit more juice to get a hook or a full game better because that's a huge difference between winning and losing and then okay maybe you push but then it settles to nothing and you had your money locked up that whole time so I am right there with it and that's exactly what I did with the Huskers too I saw the eight and I was like well the fan in me and also kind of trying to be an objective better I do think over seven and a half is the right move and that's what I was saying make sure you get your seven in the hook because going over eight, kind of at best, you're probably going to push or maybe get lucky and get the nine. So, uh, no, I love that thought process. And look, speaking of the Big Ten and speaking of a nine, I did that with Wisconsin because some books had eight and a half other books had nine, and the under was only minus 115 to the nine. Matt, I took Wisconsin under nine wins this year. I am not sold on Graham Mertz. What is your thoughts on this Wisconsin team? I know they're built very well all throughout everywhere else pretty much, but, I mean, that quarterback issue, that's a large issue that's looming.
1: Yeah, Mike, uh, I think you and I have talked about it. I think any one of five teams could win that Big Ten West. I don't, th- I don't think Wisconsin is a rock-solid favorite there. Graham Mertz had... Uh, what, 10 TD passes and 11 interceptions last year. And if you look at the Wisconsin team, it's going to rely on the running running attack and defense. and They're not going to ask Graham Mertz to win games, but he's going to have to do more than he's done in the past to win games. And I don't see this Badgers team being a 10-win team. I agree with under nine. I think you're going to win or push that bet and probably win it uh, because when you look at Minnesota – Nebraska, Iowa, Purdue—all those teams are really going to be competitive with Wisconsin at the top of the West. I think it's a five-team race, and I want to tell you what—I think Illinois and Northwestern are even going to be improved. I hate—I hate to talk about like uh, all these teams are going to be improved because that's a typical cliche in August every year in the preseason that every team's improved. But when I did a breakdown of the Big Ten West, I found some things to like, even in the two bottom teams, talking about the Illini and the Purple Cats. So. I think uh, Wisconsin's going to have a, a tough road there in the big, big Ten West, and I agree with that.
3: Okay, that's what I like to hear. Hey, Matt, appreciate you taking some time as always. Uh-huh. Again, great job with the College Football Betting Guide. Best of luck with all your plays and look forward to talking again soon as we get uh, deeper into the preseason, my man.
1: You bet, Danny. Go out and get a, or Portillo's Italian beef and sausage combo, <laughs> buddy.
3: Yes, I'm going to have to get one especially for you. Matt Humans, folks, at Matt Humans 247 where you can follow him on Twitter. Catch him co-hosting the Edge. He is VEASAN's senior editor as well. Really covering it all from golf to football to baseball. The man is the best. All right, big shout-out to Matt. But coming next, let's get deeper into the NFL, and then let's look at our final team preview with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can Mitch Trubisky lead them to victory? I'll tell you.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is Rush Hour on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: River Sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same-game parlays at BetRivers. So go to the BetRivers Sportsbook app or BetRivers.com and make your baseball same-game parlays today. All righty it is our final segment on this Thursday evening we appreciate you being with us here on rush hour on V the sports betting Network I'm Danny Burke your host remember you can always follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. So we'll recap the baseball plays we had at the beginning of the show momentarily, but as you know, this last segment, we have been devoting to previewing some NFL teams. And this is our final team as of now, because, well, we didn't have time to do the Browns, and when their win total was up, we were on a different team, and then the Deshaun Watson news came about, and now it's off the board. So we leapfrog over them and we go toward the Pittsburgh Steelers now. Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, uh, who the heck is gonna be their quarterback? Does it even matter? Well, let's get into it, folks. So as you know, uh, they are at the bottom of the division in terms of the odds. They are nine to one, if you think they can come out on top of the AFC North. The rest of their odds for division finishing position, second is plus 575, third is three to one, and like we said, they are the favorite to come in last. Minus 155 if you want to bank on that occurring. Last year, they ended with a 9-7-1 record with a banged up Big Ben. I, mean, I don't even know if you have to say banged up. It's just repetitive. It's just Big Ben because he's always banged up. But, hey, somehow still got them deep. And uh, now it's a new look Steelers offense with, again, presumably Mitch Trubisky. Or it could be Kenny Pickett. We'll see. The news has not been good with Mitch Trubisky out of camp, but all I can say is, what did you expect? You're saying it's camp. It doesn't matter. I say come back and talk to me in two months. Uh, so you lost Big Ben. You lost Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, and yeah, you had the quarterback acquisitions. And then in the draft, I mean, Kenny Pickett being one of them, but you also got George Pickens out of Georgia. I think he'll be a solid receiver. A little salty. The Bears didn't get him, but we're hoping Velas Jones Jr. can pan out over here. In case you forgot, the depth chart, like we said, uh, Trubisky Pickett at quarterback. Running back you got Najee Harris who was a workhorse last year. Hopefully they can spread out their offense a little bit more. And then they got some good receivers. We just mentioned George Pickens he also got Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson who really emerged last year. And then speaking of emerging Pat Friermuth was a really solid tight end we'll see if he can take a step forward. The defense we're assuming will still be rock solid. Last year they were really good. TJ Watt was fantastic, and you got to imagine they're only going to get better or at least just stay the same dominance wise. So, how about some more odds for the Steelers? We told you about the division finishing positions. Let's look at the odds to make the playoffs. The yes is plus three oh five. The no is minus four dollars for Pittsburgh. And then we look at their win total, seven and a half is the number at at Rivers. Over is minus 110 along with the under at the price of minus 110. Winnable games, losable games, toss up games. Let's get into it folks. There are only three winnable games on the schedule for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it begins week four versus the Jets. Yeah, the Jets are pretty much on everybody's winnable game slate, and that's because, again, and I'm repetitive here, but it's the same situation. You have an unproven quarterback in Zach Wilson and an unproven head coach in Salah. Danny, you were just giving Mitch Trubisky crap. Why are you doing the same here with Zach Wilson? Well, I mean, look, the rest of the team for Pittsburgh is more developed and solid than the Jets, I think you can argue at this point. And of course the home field advantage, and of course the coaching advantage all goes toward the side of Pittsburgh. So yes, that is a winnable game for the Steelers. Then week 13, you are on the road, but at least you're on the road against Atlanta. The Falcons are probably gonna be bottom two teams in the National Football League. Week 15 at Carolina, maybe whoever's your quarterback for Pittsburgh at that point has got it figured out. But again, I just think Pittsburgh overall has a better team. Carolina's home field advantage doesn't mean too much. And they've got some quarterback issues, maybe themselves. So uh, I'll give that a winnable spot for Pittsburgh because of the defense, I guess you could say. Losable games, you know we've got a ton of them. Week 1 at Cincinnati, not going to be a good spot. Week 5 at Buffalo, don't need to stay much there. Week 6 versus Tampa Bay, yeah, you get Tom Brady at home, but remember, it's still Tom Brady and the Bucs. Week 8 at Philadelphia, I'm not as high in the Eagles as a lot of other people. If they were playing this game in Pittsburgh, that would be a really interesting spot, but in Philly, you give the Eagles the nod. Week 11 versus Cincinnati, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't split. Week 12 at Indianapolis against the Colts. The Colts are gonna be a better team. We talked with Scott Spreitzer about the squad. He loves them, thinks they're gonna go over their win total. I don't disagree, but I will say, uh, they are gonna get a boost from playing the Steelers. That will probably help them get there. Then you got week 14 versus Baltimore. You're probably gonna lose twice to Baltimore at home and on the road. Week 17, you're at Baltimore, you'll probably lose that one. And then week 16, Versus the Raiders. Now that one could be a little bit closer and not as much of a definitive losable game, but if you're looking at the rosters on a neutral field, you definitely give the nod to the Raiders, but that's later in the season. I don't know that's tough. The Raiders will be probably playing for their playoff lives in such a tough division and at that point, the Steelers probably out of it. And then you got the toss-up games. Week 2 versus New England Early in, uh, earlier in the year. I'm not too high on this New England team. Yeah, Mac Jones was fine last year, but I don't think he takes the biggest step forward. And same with the rest of the team. They didn't do anything in the offseason. And I think the NFL, and I'm only, I'm just like kind of mumbling right now because I'm debating if I should say it. I'm not going to say they're passing Bill Belichick by, but what I'm saying is that the new era of the NFL is moving offensive oriented. You know, Bill Belichick didn't have his best year last year. I get it. They made the playoffs, but I'm just saying, I think the Patriots are going to have a down year. I'm not saying it's going to happen against the Steelers, but I'm going to classify that at least as a 50-50 spot, all right? I just more more so think they didn't do enough in the offseason and that their quarterback isn't who they need as of this moment to be a top team. Not that they're passing him by, but he needs a little bit more help. Uh, Week three at Cleveland, we know Deshaun Watson more than likely will be out of that game, and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, he's a fine quarterback, and you do have to go to Cleveland, but you got two teams with no stud quarterbacks but good surrounding parts, so that is absolutely a 50-50 spot. Same with Week 7 at Miami, Tua. I'd put him in the same category as Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett right now. Tua low is unproven to me. Pittsburgh gets the coaching advantage. Pittsburgh gets the defensive advantage and the running game advantage too. But you are on the road, and hey, maybe Miami's looking good by that point. Week 10 versus the Saints, to get them at home, and it's post-bye week, so that's a 50-50 spot. And then week 18 versus Cleveland, yeah, that's just a complete toss-up at the end of the year. We don't know what the Browns are going to be looking like. But again, a lot of losable games, only a few winnable games, and then you got five toss-up games. I'm putting this team at about five to six wins. I know that seems incredibly low, and you would think with that being said, of course, I would hammer the under seven and a half. But the reason I'm not necessarily rushing to bet the under is because the talent is still there. They have three solid receivers in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and presumably Pickens. You got a good tight end in Fryermuth. We talked about Najee Harris looking good and a great coach in Mike Tomlin. So you're just one quarterback away from having a solid team. If it's Trubisky out there, yeah. And What I'm saying is if it's Trubisky out there, I would bet the under seven and a half. Like if I'm getting a guarantee, he will play in a majority of the games. If it's Kenny Pickett, well, we don't know what's going to happen with Kenny Pickett. I'm guessing he's not going to be great right out of the gates, but I just don't know that for sure. So because I don't have the preconceived understanding, I guess he could say, of what to expect out of Pickett, I am just going to be cautious here and stay away. Maybe they get out to a hot start and the win total gets higher and then I can comfortably take the under. But a very, very strong lean to the under. But because of this quarterback battle or situation, whatever you want to call it, I think i got to stay away. But the rest of the team's great. you got to think the QB situation could sabotage them getting over their win total. So we'll hold off on this, but definitely considering under 7.5 wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's our final team, final assessment until we get more stable news with the Browns. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. We'll recap all our season win total bets shortly enough. But speaking of bets that we can recap, we're about to head out here on Rush Hour. So let me quick uh, tell you what we played in baseball tonight. Game two in baseball of the doubleheader with the Cardinals and the Cubbies going with St. Louis. All right, we took him last night, got postponed, took him the day before, it cashed in, and while we're looking to make up for that postponement yesterday, and I think we're in a good spot tonight, Jose Quintana, former Cub, you know he's gonna thrive against the Cubbies as he has already done three times this year. And the Cubbies are hitting lefties a lot worse on the road as opposed to at home. Speaking of hitting lefties at home, the Cardinals number one in the big leagues and they're going against Sean Newcomb, a lefty whose last start in the big leagues was in June and gave up six hits and five earned runs in one inning. Yeah, I like the Cardinals there. Played a minus one at minus 122 because of the double header. I think the bullpen could be taxed a little bit, but I don't hate the idea of the cheaper money line right now uh, because it's come down to minus 165 or so. Or if you go with the run line, I'm just playing it a little bit safer. And then the Sox and the Rangers, we are trusting Johnny Cueto. He's been solid for the Sox. The Sox going against the lefty on the road, which they are number one in Major League Baseball. they got to have this game. Take advantage of a new pitcher in Reagans, the lefty, who coming up from AAA. Let's go, Sox. It's gross to say, but let's go, Cardinals. That's what I'm sweating out tonight. Best of luck if you play, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Rush Hour. We'll catch you again soon.